Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Did you know the Bible mentions the word kindness over 200 times and the word kind over 400 times? Today, John looks at this God-honoring quality in his message, a little kindness goes a long way. Let's open our Bibles, if we could, to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 19, Proverbs 19. Now, I was interested to learn some things before we get into the Scripture about kindness last week that I thought you might find interesting. I learned, first of all, that a group of moms were interviewed, and they were asked to identify the top qualities that they hope to instill in their children. And the number one quality that moms said they hoped their kids would have is this idea of kindness. In another study, 78% of teachers said that in their opinion, it was more important for children in their classes to be kind than it is for them to make good grades. A variety of studies have indicated that kindness increases your energy level, it increases your happiness, and it increases your lifespan. In other words, you live longer if you are a kind person, while at the same time, kindness will decrease things like your level of pain, your level of stress, anxiety, depression, and it can even uh, decrease your blood pressure. The scientists and researchers who study things like this tell us that when we are kind to other people, that the endorphins in our bodies, the chemicals are released, those feel-good chemicals, our serotonin levels increase, and it causes all these positive things, and it, uh, it decreases all the negative things. In another study, 46% of people said that they consider themselves to be very kind. Now, think about that. 46% of people say they consider themselves to be very kind, but that same group of people said that they only thought 16% of everybody else was very kind. And so maybe we're not as kind as we think. Think about that. 46% of people say, I'm a very kind person, and yet only 16% of the other people out there are kind. Turn to the person next to you and say, on most days, you're very kind. On most days. Not on every day, but on most days, you're very kind. Now, I'm creating some tension out there in the congregation today with that. But kindness is something that God wants us to have. It is an important quality. And in fact, it's interesting. Last week, I asked Cindy Johnson. She and I have worked together in the office for well over 20 years. And I asked Cindy, I said, would you print out all the sermons on kindness that I've ever preached? Because I want to see what I've said in the past. She said, I will. So later in the day, I saw her. And I said, did you print out all those sermons on kindness that I preached? She said, John, you've never preached a sermon on kindness. And, uh, and she said, that ought to tell you something right there, mister. You need to be a little kinder and you need to, uh, to talk. So, I mean, I thought I had. I, I, I just assumed that through the years I would have talked about kindness because it's important in the Bible. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a quality that we should all have. And yet, in all the years, I've never preached a sermon on kindness. Well, that's going to change today. In Proverbs chapter 19, look in verse number 22. 
Notice what it says. What is desired in a man or in a woman is kindness. What is desired is kindness. The Living Bible says kindness makes a person attractive. Now think about that. Beauty makes a person beautiful, but just because a lady is beautiful or a man is good looking, that doesn't necessarily make them attractive. There's something about the quality of kindness that attracts people to us. And there's something about unkindness that repels people, that turns people in a different direction. And so the Scripture says here, what is desired in a person is kindness. The greatest quality, the most attractive quality that a person can have is not their their face or their hair or their physique or even their personality or their sense of humor or their intelligence. The most important quality that any of us could ever hope to have would be this quality of kindness. Now, there are several verses I want us to look at. In Proverbs 31, we read about the virtuous woman, the wonderful wife, the great mom. And notice what it says about this lady. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of what? The law of kindness. So this, this godly woman in Proverbs 31, it, it's the centerpiece of who this lady is. It's saying she's a kind lady. She's tenderhearted. She's gracious. And she's, she's kind in her dealings with others. Notice the verse in 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, where Paul here is both defining and describing what love is. And notice what he says. Love is patient. Love is kind. And so if we have love in our hearts, we're going to have kindness in our dealings with others. Notice this other verse. This is a familiar verse in Ephesians chapter 4, right at the very beginning. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so we're supposed to be kind. And then in Colossians, this is a great verse. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Now, Paul is is using this, this language metaphorically, we, we picture that we get dressed this morning, put on our shirt, our tie, our jacket. But notice what he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And so kindness, before we leave the house every day, that's one of those things that we should put on. Now, as I said, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. We read about that in Galatians chapter 5, love and joy and peace, patience And then kindness. What is the fruit of the Spirit? That is, if Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us, one of the things He will produce in our hearts are these different qualities, these different fruit. Love. We should have that. We should should love people. Joy. We should have joy. doesn't mean that we're always happy, but deep down, we should have joy in our lives. And peace, we should certainly have that, patience, and then kindness. And so one of the things that the Holy Spirit is producing in us as Christians, He's producing this quality of kindness. So that says to me that we don't have to work at being kind. Kindness is something that the Holy Spirit produces in us. You say, well, John, how does this work? Well, look at this verse in John chapter 15. Jesus says this. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, in one verse, Jesus is giving us the secret to the entire Christian life. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus is saying, just like there's a tree in your backyard, and that tree has branches, and maybe it's a, a 
an apple tree or a lemon tree or an orange tree or a peach tree, some kind of a fruit tree. And so here's the vine, and here are the branches. And from the vine to the branches flows sap. And that sap is what produces the fruit on the branches. Jesus is saying in the same way, if you abide in me, the Holy Spirit is going to flow from me to you, and the Holy Spirit is going to produce these qualities in your life, love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and all the other things. So think about this. That means that we don't have to work at producing the fruit. We don't ha- I don't have to try to make myself peaceful. I don't have to try to make myself patient. Or I shouldn't have to make, try to make myself kind. I wrote this in my notes. Listen to this sentence. We don't have to work to be kind, but we do have to look for ways to express it. And so if these qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, if these are the things the Holy Spirit produces in me, that means I don't have to wake up today and say, okay, now, work hard to be kind and make yourself peaceful today or make yourself joyful today. No, if I'm trying to produce those things, that's counterintuitive to what the Scripture says is to happen. The Bible says that God is supposed to produce that in us. Our job is to abide in Him, to be closely related to Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit naturally and without interruption flows from his life into our life so that we have these qualities in us without even trying to produce them. All we're doing is abiding in him, and he's producing those qualities in us. Have you noticed, maybe you haven't or maybe you have, probably you have, that when you try in the flesh to make yourself be kind to somebody, maybe somebody that they've rubbed you the wrong way or Maybe somebody you just don't really like, and yet you know you're supposed to be kind, and so you work hard to be kind. Have you noticed that when you try to do it in the flesh, it never works out really well? I mean, it just doesn't. I read something last week that illustrates that. This man said, I was in a long line at the McDonald's drive-thru this morning, and the young lady behind me kept honking on her horn because I was taking too long to place my order. Take the high road, I thought to myself. So when I got to the first window, I paid for her order along with mine. The cashier must have told her what I had done because as we moved up, she leaned out her window and waved to me in motion, thank you, thank you, thank you, obviously embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. When I got to the second window, I showed them both receipts and took her food too. (laughs) And so this fellow, and then he said, now she has to go back to the end of the line and start all over again. So... Here's a man, a lady was rude to him, and he's saying, be kind, be kind, be kind. He paid for a meal, but the more he thought about it, he couldn't stay kind, and he took her food. And so it says to me that kindness is not one of those things that we can produce, that we can work up, because if we do, it'll always end up like that. We'll be kind for a little while, and then it will just go away. Kindness is a very special thing. It's a great quality. I think about my own life. I would say this, you know, life has seasons, and at different seasons, we prioritize different things. But for me, for the last many years, I would say that kindness has been the third most important thing in my life. The most important thing for me is that I would trust Jesus with everything. That is the most important thing for me. The second most important thing in my life is that I try my best not to sin. 
And I sin too much, but I try not to sin. So that's number two. But as I was thinking this week about my own life, I thought it kind of, the, the third most important thing in my life is that I would be a kind person. You know, if, I'm ever, if I ever feel like I'm unkind to somebody, or if I ever feel like I've been rude to somebody, that bothers me. And I feel like I have to go back and say that I'm sorry. And so I try so hard, uh, even though we're not supposed to have to try, but I value you know, kindness, and I'm sure that you do too. One of the most important things in evangelism, in reaching out to people, is kindness. Notice this verse in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Even God in His dealings with us, look at this, it is God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance. Think about to when you were saved, maybe many years ago, whatever it happened for you, maybe more recently, when you were saved. Why, why is it that you were saved? You say, well, yeah, God convicted me of my sins. Yes, he did. God helped me to understand that if I would pray and ask Christ to save me, that he would. Well, certainly God did that. But behind that was the kindness and the love of God that broke our hearts, that melted our hearts. And so as we try to reach others, we won't be able to reach them unless we ourselves are kind. And so I, I'm talking today about the importance of kindness. Now, before we get into what we're going to get into, let me give you a verse just to jot down in your Bible. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, let your speech always be with grace. Now, listen to this next phrase, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. Notice it doesn't say seasoned with sugar. Or seasoned with syrup. But as we think about being kind, I think if we're not careful, we can, we can assume, well, that, this must mean that I must be syrupy. Or that I must just almost be phony. Or that I must be fake. No, that our words, Paul said in Colossians 4, should be seasoned with salt, not with syrup. And so the whole idea of kindness, it's not to be over the top or, you know, I remember years ago there was a pastor, a pretty well-known pastor, and a godly man. And my dad and I would bump into him at a Baptist convention or a Baptist school or somewhere we were. And, and this man would always come up to us and, and he would say to my dad, and he had gotten to know me too, but he was close to my dad. He'd say, oh, Charles, I am so glad to see you. And, and John, I'm, glad, I'm just so glad to see you today. And then he would say, I really mean it. I really mean it. I can't tell you. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. I'm, so he'd just go on and on and on about how serious he was to be glad to see. And when he would walk off dead, and I would always kind of kid about that, and we'd say, now, he's, he was serious about that. He really meant that. Well, in his particular case, that was just his personality. He kind of came across as syrupy, but he was just naturally syrupy. He wasn't trying to be syrupy. But I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we can come off not genuine and not real. So when we think about kindness, we're not thinking about being phony or fake or over the top or, you know, syrupy or anything like that. We're just thinking about genuinely in our hearts being kind towards other people as the Holy Spirit produces that in us. And as I've said, we don't have to work at it, but we do have to look for ways to express the kindness that is in our heart. And so here I am last Monday, and I feel like God said, John, preach on kindness. And I said, well, God, what is the, I knew about the verse in Proverbs, but I thought, now, God, what is an example in the Bible, maybe the best example in all the Bible of somebody who was kind? And 
A passage of Scripture came to my mind. I don't know if it's the best example, but it's a great example of somebody in the Bible showing kindness to somebody else. So turn back several books now to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 9. Now, this is a story that you might not be that familiar with. Some of you will be, but some of you don't know this story. It's not a, necessarily a, a, a famous story in the Bible. It's not like David and Goliath or Daniel and the lion's den, nothing like that. It is about David, and it's about a time in his life when he showed kindness to a young man named Mephibosheth. And I want us to look at this today in 2 Samuel chapter number 9. Now, David, he's the king at this time. Saul has died. David is the king. And in verse, chapter 9 and verse number 1, Now David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? See, David here is looking for somebody to express kindness to. He had love and kindness in his heart, but he wanted to express that kindness. And he said, or the Scripture said, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And when Saul had called him uh, to Ziba, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba the king said, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Now, turn back to chapter number 4 of 2 Samuel. I want to just show you one verse to kind of help us understand this better. This, this young man, was Mephibosheth, is lame in his feet. Well, how did he become lame? 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Jonathan, Saul's son. So you remember now, Saul was the first king of Israel. And one of Saul's son was a man named Jonathan. And Jonathan and David were great friends, even though Saul hated David. And Saul did everything he could to kill and to destroy David. And yet, Jonathan and David had a tremendous friendship. But here, Jonathan has a son who was lame in his feet. He was about five years old when the news came about Saul and Jonathan from Jezreel. That is, the, the news came that King Saul and Jonathan had died on the same day. And so here's this nurse, and she's taking care of five-year-old Mephibosheth when she gets this horrible news. And his nurse took him up, that is, picked up uh, Mephibosheth and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. The New Living Translation just says she dropped him. Well, that's what happened. She picked this boy up. She's panicking. The king has died. Jonathan has died, the father of Mephibosheth. So she panics. She picks the boy up. She drops him. And when she dropped him, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Now, back to chapter 9. Saul, David is saying, Saul has died, Jonathan has died, but I have such love in my heart for Jonathan. Is there anybody from Jonathan's house that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? And he learns now about this little boy, uh, young man now, a young boy named Mephibosheth, verse 4. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. Now, this Lodabar literally means no pasture. David expressed such kindness to Mephibosheth that he brought him from Lodabar, the dry and barren place, no pasture, and he brought him to the king's table. The point, though, when we show kindness to unsaved people, 
What we're really doing, we're bringing them from a place in their life that is dry and that is barren, that is empty, where there's no pasture, and we're bringing them to the king's table. We're bringing them to the king's table, into the king's palace, into the green pastures that we've come to enjoy in Jesus Christ. Verse 5, then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here is your servant. David said to him, do do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat the bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Now that expression, dead dog, A dead dog in Bible times and now would be considered something that would be useless, something that would be contemptible. And Mephibosheth is saying, I'm crippled. I can't do anything, and yet you're showing me all this kindness. Verse 9, and David called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. And so... David is showing phenomenal kindness here to Mephibosheth. Now, number one, David showed kindness to Mephibosheth for someone else's sake. Again, David continued to say, is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? See, uh, David didn't know Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth had never been kind to him. In fact, being from the house of Saul, Mephibosheth may have been taught to hate David and to hate the family of David because they could have been taught it was David who took the kingdom away from our family. And yet David showed kindness to Mephibosheth for someone else's sake. As I thought about that, I thought to myself, you know, we should be kind to people, not because they've been kind to us. Sometimes people say, well, I'll be kind to them if they'll be kind to me. No, we should be kind to them because God has been kind to us. It's for God's sake, it's for Christ's sake that we try to be kind to them, to bring them from Lodabar to the king's palace. And then the second point, David showed kindness to Mephibosheth at great personal expense. Here he's bringing him into the palace and he's saying, you'll eat all your meals with me. Well, those meals cost something. And David covered that cost and he returns all this land that had belonged to Mephibosheth's grandfather, Saul. I mean, David was the king. David could have kept that land. He was rightfully his, and yet he gave that land to Mephibosheth. It was an incredible thing. And it says to me that showing kindness to others is not always an easy thing to do. Sometimes it takes money. Sometimes it takes kindness. Sometimes it takes a pat on the back or a smile or a phone call or a text message, but it takes effort. But the point is, when we are kind to other people, it is an attractive quality that will attract them not primarily to us, but that will attract them to the Jesus who lives in us, and that through that kindness, they could come to know Him in a personal way. Kindness is an attractive quality. Unkindness is an unattractive quality. Kindness is a very attractive quality. And when we show kindness to somebody, it makes a tremendous impression on them. The Bible says that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Would you like to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins 
and experience the peace that only God can give us? Won't you pray with me now? Just say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Please make me the person you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. We invite you to keep up with us on social media. You can like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore on Twitter. And don't forget to share and tell your family and friends about Peace by Believing. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.